0: Welcome to Cross Lane Community Church, where we are committed to bringing people to Jesus. We hope you enjoy this online message. Take your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 8. I want you to be there and be ready. I've got lots of stuff. We're going to kind of go in a hurry. But uh, if you know anything about the Bible, well, I shouldn't say it that way. If you've been in the Bible a considerable amount and you've, you've spent any time in Romans, you know that Romans can be a very... Um, very deep, very theological, sometimes confusing um, book. It's, a, it's really, uh, I'm, we're going to look at some, some people would say complicated verses of scripture. I'm going to try and help make sense of some of those this morning, and I think on the back end you're going to walk out of here and go, now, now that made sense to me. But uh, it'll be a little bit before we get there, but trust me, we'll get there. I want to talk to you this morning about pain and suffering. One of the ironies of pain and suffering is that it is somewhat of a shortcut route to God. When the bottom drops out and things suddenly, in a moment or overnight or in a phone call, suddenly go out of bounds or go in a direction that you did not expect, everybody, believers, non-believers, um, agnostic, atheists, suddenly there is this moment where everybody looks up, and then um, that really becomes the moment that is kind of a shortcut. Uh, it's kind of the shortest route to God. C.S. Lewis said it like this. God whispers to us in our pleasures, he speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. Whispers in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, and shouts in our pains. And all of us have had that kind of pain through which God shouts to us. Um, Or at least that's what it feels like, because all of us at some point have looked up and asked the question, And we ask it in different ways, but essentially what we want to know is we want to know why. God, why is this happening? What is going on? Help me to make sense. You know, I I don't get this. And the reason we want to know is because it's in you and it's in me to want to make sense of the things that we go through. When we encounter something that's difficult for us, we want to try and figure that out. We want to know what's going on uh, underneath the surface. And knowing why won't make the pain go away, and there's something about us that, thinks that if we can kind of connect the dots in our life to make it all make sense, that somehow it's just going to be easier for us. And there is this sense in us that feels that we can endure the pain and endure the loss and endure the suffering better or or more sanely if somehow we can connect those little dots and make sense out of things. So we look up, and then we look down, and we look into our world, and then we begin to ask, why God? Why me? Why him? Why her? Why now? She's so young. Why this? Um, Why here? Not again. How could you let this happen again? And essentially behind all the why questions is uh, you or somebody has got to help me make sense out of this, and I've got to be able to connect these dots. There has got to be some kind of purpose in my pain. That's what we want. We, We need to know that there is purpose in our pain. And so we start looking around our life, and we try to piece things together, and um, I found this, and maybe this ha- you know, happened three years ago because I found this today, or if I'd been paying better attention or if I'd been a better parent, if I'd been a better husband, if my parents hadn't done this, then things would be different. Somehow I've got to connect the dots because if I can understand why, I can make sense out of this, and if I can make sense out of this and somehow see the bigger picture, if this is going somewhere good, then somehow I might be able to endure it. But if this is just random, if there is no purpose, if there is no explanation, then there goes my faith. And yeah, God may shout at me through the pain, but once I glance up quickly and then glance back down and see that this doesn't make any sense at all, then there goes my faith, there goes my confidence in God, there goes my ability to pray, there goes my belief in prayer. Because in you and in me, there is something that says, even though knowing why won't make the pain go away, I can endure it if somehow there is a context for this pain. Now, you have experienced this at a different level. Anytime you have elected for pain, you have experienced this. Where you choose to do something painful because there's something good at the other end, people who work out, who stretch their body and, you know, lift weights and things, there's a point of pain that they go through, but the reason they go through that pain is because they want to look like Schwarzenegger or somebody like that or me or, you know... They, you know, they've, they've seen it and they've said, I want that. And so they, they work hard to get to that place. Every time I see something unusual pierced. Now, it's, we're used to seeing ears pierced, right? But every time I see something unusual pierced, I, I have that. Um, don't you do this when you see something you, you want to say to them? Doesn't that hurt? <laughs> I, I want to show you a couple. My, my niece recently had this done. This is the tab on the front of your ear. You know what that's called? That's called a tragus piercing. Okay, we can go to the next one. I I see girls with those, and guys sometimes, I guess, but usually girls. I was going through the checkout line one time, and this real pretty girl had one of those in her ear, and I just, I couldn't handle, stand it anymore. I said, did that hurt? She said, yeah, it, it hurt pretty bad. My niece will tell you that hers hurt. Now, the reason they do that is because they want to be able to put something pretty like that in their ear and have it shine, and so... You know, they're willing to go through the pain because there's cartilage in there. I mean, that's, you know, that's not an easy thing to do, what, what they've done there. But, you know, I see that and I think, well, that, you know, that looks kind of cool. But, man, doesn't, doesn't that hurt just a little bit? That had to have hurt. And then you realize, you know what? They knew it was going to hurt. Okay, we can we can take the picture down. <laughs> Some people are like, would you please take the picture down? <laughs> They knew it was gonna hurt. They they knew when they went in and said, you know, it's not like when, when someone put that thing, whatever that is, behind their ear and they I don't even know how they do it. But it's not like when that happened, somebody said, Ow! You know, what'd you do that for? No, they they were prepared for it. They they planned for it. They knew when they walked out their ear might be a little sore, but it was worth it to them to be able to display whatever jewelry they wanted to put. Uh, in their ear like that now I'm not against piercings I'm just saying pretty much I fear pain more than you do because I'm not I don't want to do that I don't have anything on me pierced that's not something that I want to do I don't hold it against you if you do in fact I see some of them and think they're pretty cool I started to bring a picture in here that would have just grossed you out this dude would set off a metal detector with his face pretty much and I thought no they really don't need to be traumatized like that in church this morning the point is, when you think that something good is going to be accomplished because of pain, you will endure all kinds of pain to accomplish something that you think has purpose or has some cool factor to it or some meaning at the end of it. Let me show you some more pictures. The, these are pictures of tattoos. Now, I don't have any tattoos. That's a guy with his chest, his chin and his hands like he's looking down this way and someone's tattooed the top of his head. Does that kind of wig you out when you see that just a little bit? It's Kind of strange. Now, I don't know how much you know about... It hurts to have this done, people. I mean, that dude right there, I don't know how many times a needle has pierced his skin to be able to look like that, but I would have to say millions. Would I be right, would you think? Millions of times probably to get that? I mean... You know, he, I don't think that was a surprise to him. I think he knew it was going to hurt. Okay, let's show some more. This one's actually kind of cool. I might have this done to the back of my head. <laughs> Not really. That's somebody holding a crystal ball. And, and, if, and you, you can't see it as well as if on my computer, that's really a, a very well-done tattoo. It's, it's, you can see great detail in that. It, that. That one's interesting, at least. Okay, I think they've got one more. Yeah. Yeah, Is that not the ugliest back of the head you've ever seen in your life right there? That is just crazy. Tattooed eyeballs on the back of his head. Okay. Now, I don't have any tattoos, (laughs) but ultimately what they say is that the pain makes sense to me. You know, I'll go through it. I can, I can endure it. If there's something that I'm going to accomplish at the other end, I'm fine with it. Now, all of us, to some extent, have had some elective pain in our life. We've chosen sometimes to endure pain to get what we want, But and it's because if there's something on the other end that makes it purposeful, then then it's something that I'm willing to do. So we shouldn't be all that surprised when the legs get kicked out from under us and and that might be financially, that could be health-wise, or, or that could be with our children or our career, or something suddenly happens um, that we didn't elect or choose. You know, we didn't plan on it. We didn't say, hey, I want that. And it happens to us anyway. What when, when is our first inclination and reaction whenever that happens? The first thing we want to do is, is, okay, i got to make sense out of this. i got to find the purpose in it. i got to know that something good is going to happen. Um, I have to have, the word would be, I have to have context to make all this make sense and immediately we look to the only one who could define or create a context for pain we look to God and when we don't hear anything or see anything then we look back down and we look into our little itty bitty worlds and we try to find the context within our own worlds what did I do to cause this what can I do to turn this around you know, what, um, what can I do to, to make sense out of what's happened here and make sure that, that this doesn't happen again in some way to me or the people that I love? Is this my fault? I need a purpose. I need an explanation. I need context. And that is absolutely natural, and it's something that all of us do to some extent. In a strange way, Jesus did this, and I, I don't uh, fully understand everything about this quote that Jesus has, but Jesus predicted his own death and resurrection and yet, in the middle of his hanging on the cross, what did he say? He said, my God, why have you chosen to forsake me? Why, why do you forsake me? In the middle of it, Jesus was saying, I need a reminder. You know, I, I, need, I need context. I need a greater good. I, I, is there a purpose? You know, because right now, all I feel is isolation. All I feel is, is that I'm kind of out here on my own. In his pain, he called out to his heavenly father, and he said, I need context. There's the story of Lazarus. Lazarus had two sisters, Mary and Martha, and um, Lazarus gets sick, and they send word to Jesus, who is in another town. And, and for whatever reason, Jesus decides that he's not going to go right away, and eventually Lazarus dies. And, as he, as, and once Lazarus dies, then Jesus starts to make his way to Lazarus' family in the town of Bethany. And as he's coming into town, we're told that Mary and Martha kind of meet him at different places on the road and as they did that they basically asked the question that we all ask and that is basically can you make sense of this you know and, and so they they start in and you know I, I i know that there's probably a reason that you were late but can you tell us why you waited can you can you tell us why you didn't come why are you late You know, it's not going to make Lazarus come back. It's not going to take our pain away. But maybe it will make it easier for us if we could just understand and have the context. If we just had some explanation and could get our questions of why answered, then maybe we think we could get through. That's in you. And that's in me whenever things in our world don't go the way we planned on them going. Don't go to suit us. Don't, don't happen in a way that you know, we can look at it and go, well, that makes perfect sense. I mean, there are things that happen in our world and we go, you know, I, I don't get that at all. I, I'm struggling to make any sense out of that whatsoever. People are coming up to me and asking me, you know, Did, what happened? And I don't know what happened. When you find yourself looking in God's direction because of unexpected pain and suffering, if you look to him and then drop your focus back to your little itty-bitty world and my little itty-bitty world, the answer is not found there. It's not found there. We try. We try to connect the dots. We try to put the pieces together. We, we want to understand. And 100% of the people that I've ever talked to in times of crisis, in times of, of loss, in times of you know, not being able to make sense, um, they all want me to help them to connect the dots within the context of their life. And as Christians, we have some kind of weird roads that we go down. And I'm not saying we, sh- we you know, that I wouldn't do that. I'm not saying that in times I haven't done that. Uh, I'm just saying that, and I'm not saying that there are bad things that we do. I'm just saying that there, there are things that we do. Things like this, you know, well, you know, as my sister was dying, um, the nurse came into our hospital room and they saw, she saw our family, and she said that there was just something different about our family. And maybe, maybe my sister passed away because uh, God was trying to reach that nurse. You know, I've heard things like that before. And we, we try to piece it together so that, so that some good can, can come from the thing that is happening in our world. And we kind of do that based on a scripture we're going to look at this morning. Or, or this thing happened to my son and it was bad, but then he met this girl and she didn't know Jesus, but my son's been able to bring her to church and they're dating now and she's become a Christian and it looks like they're going to get married and looks like the story's going to have a happy ending and maybe maybe all this happened so that she could come to, to Christ. That's not it. Yeah, I don't blame you for looking. I don't blame you for thinking that that's what it is, but that's not it. There's something in us, though, That cries out, screams out for context, give me purpose. So today I want to try and connect the dots for us, not not because I'm a genius, because I'm certainly not, but God has in his word uh, provided a way uh, to to see how the dots are all connected for all of us. And I want to give you the context for uh, all our suffering, and like any explanation, it's not going to make your pain go away. You know what we're going to talk about this morning. You're not going to if you're going through something this morning. You're not going to walk out of here and go, "Well, that you know, Brett solved it." I mean, it's all feeling better now. I don't have any problems anymore. It's not going to be like that. Um, I I do want you to see that there is a context, um, so that we know that much of what happens to us is is not some random thing. We have to know that while we're going through this kind of pain that God is not sitting in a waiting room somewhere reading a magazine or that he's unaware of what we're going through. We, we In our heads, we need to get to the place where we, we are assured that we, we haven't been left hung out to dry, so to speak, to go through this stuff on our own. There is something in us that cries out, there's got to be purpose, there's got to be explanation. And here's something that you need to know. You, you will always be tempted to examine your pain and your suffering in the context of your life alone. And if you don't hear anything else I say this morning, hear this. The answer is not in your life. That's not where the answer is. That's not the context for making sense out of pain and suffering. And and I know people who have spent years and years and years running from God and angry at God because they got so focused on their own life. They got so focused trying to make sense out of what was going on in their world And who could blame them? I mean, you know, I would not be critical looking for purpose, looking for a reason, looking for uh, an explanation. And they say, God, why? And and they're trying to connect the dots and it doesn't make sense. Fortunately, 2,000 years ago, God connected three big dots for us that gives us all of the context we will ever need for all the suffering that we will experience in this world. And uh, I want to kind of work you through that this morning. Two more quick disclaimers, then we'll jump into Romans chapter eight. The answer... First of all, the first disclaimer is: the answer this morning is not going to be emotionally satisfying for you. Okay, you're not gonna uh, you're you're not gonna walk out of here and say, "Well, Brett, after I've heard that sermon, I just feel better about the fact that I haven't had a job in six months." I mean, that's it's not gonna work that way. I'm not gonna give you this thing. You're gonna go out and go, "Oh, well, um, you know that that just makes this so much better for me." You're not probably not gonna feel that way. Um, Because you know this, when you've elected to have something pierced or tattooed, if you've ever done that or if you've ever worked out or run a lot of miles or anything like that, um, knowing that it is going to be cool on the other end, knowing that you're going to get what you want, it does not do anything to diminish the pain that you go through when you're going through it. It doesn't lessen the pain when you're working out to think, well, I'm going to have this great body. It doesn't lessen the pain that you go through and put your body through to get that body. It still doesn't make that pain go away. And the same is true of this answer. And the second thing is, this is an explanation for Christians. If, um, if you're here today and you're a person who's not embraced Christianity, or you've got some questions, you're kind of on the outside looking in, we, we are really glad you're here. Um, we've all at one time or another been on the outside looking in, and so we understand that. And there can be some really tough questions and obstacles to coming to faith in Christ, and we understand that. But here's what I want to say to you. I cannot speak intelligently into your pain and suffering if you don't have Christ in your life because um, I've been in situations, and um, I've seen men and women who understand what I'm about to explain to you today, and I've seen them face unimaginable hardship. And, and on the backside of it, you know, they just come through it like rock stars. I mean, they they are just larger than life to me. They are people that I admire so much. They're people that I want to be like, and I, I, I want to have their kind of faith. I've been to funerals and seen parents stand next to caskets of kids that that it just has blown my mind how strong they've been, how how in context it's all been there for them and I've been to funerals where I've watched kids stand next to caskets of parents and thought the same thing and left and thought man I don't know that if I was that age I don't know if I could do that now Uh, they just they're just amazing Um, you know and you walk out of the room and you say whatever it is that they've got I want some of that Um, but I've also walked through pain and suffering with some folks that did not have any context except their own life for the pain and suffering that they were going through, and I've left some situations and thought to myself, you know, I don't, I don't know how to help them with that. I mean, if, if they don't accept Jesus as part of the solution to all of what's going on in the world, I don't know how to speak into their life in any kind of way that makes any of this make sense for them. And I, the first funeral I ever did in my life, I was about, man, how old was I? I had to be about 21 years old. I just got into this church. The preacher was gone on vacation. They called me and said, Hey, can you do a funeral for us? Now I was petrified. And here's what the funeral director told me They don't go to church. They're not real religious. They don't want this to be real churchy. They'd really rather you not talk about Jesus. And I'm thinking, Well, they just need to bring a philosopher in. I mean, all, that's all that's left is philosophy. You know, trying to make sense out of all this, out of their own context of their own life. It was just, it was it was a horrible funeral for a lot of reasons, Um, but that was definitely one of them, is I was trying to deal with people who did not have any faith in their life, and and you, there's no context outside of faith for a lot of this. The very God that you may be angry at for allowing something to happen, and that you might ask the question, God, what has happened, is the very God that has given us three really big dots that he's connected them for us, and I want to uh, they're not the little dots of your life, okay? They're not the little dots that we try and make sense out of. They're, they're big. Turn to Romans, a complicated book. Um, these are complicated verses. But in these verses, Paul meticulously takes us through the context for our suffering. And he gives us three big dots to connect. Um, the three dots, I'm going to give them to you at the beginning. In the beginning, in the meantime, and in the end. That's where we're going today. That, those are the three dots. In the beginning in the meantime, and in the end. And if you have a pen in your hand, you would do well to to be ready to circle some things. Romans chapter eight, verse 18. I consider that our present sufferings, and you need to understand that Paul is not a stranger to sufferings. He's been shipwrecked, he's been beaten, he's been stoned. He's lost his family, he's lost his money, lost his career. He basically lost everything when he decided to follow Jesus. This is a man not unfamiliar with sufferings and pain. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be might want to circle that word revealed that will be revealed, and suddenly he pulls us out of our present day context and he says oh yeah there's there's something in the future there there is an end there is there is an in the beginning, there is a meantime, but there is an end, and we look forward to the end that's that's what we're we're you know we're going to spend some time there talking about the end but but paul i want to talk about now because now is where i experience suffering now is where this hurts now is where the pain is and paul says you know we'll 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 get to that place and he begins to wrench us out of our current context verse 19 the creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of god i'm sorry for the son of god sons of god to be revealed again, looking to the future, and we're going, okay, um, we're not really sure what you're talking about, Paul. It, it, it doesn't really seem to make sense. And, and it's like Paul's going, oh, maybe they don't know <laughs> what I'm trying to say. And then Paul takes us from the end all the way back to the beginning and walks us through these big, these three big dots. And here, here's the first big dot, number 20, 24. And the word for in scripture is always an explanation of some kind for the creation. And he's going to take us all the way back to the beginning. And here's the first dot that you have to connect. For the creation was subjected to frustration. And that, that word frustration carries with it the idea of, of de- depravity and perversion, okay, fallenness. For the creation, everything that was created, heavens and earth and people, was subjected to frustration not by its own choice but by the will of the one who subjected it. And you say, well, you know, that doesn't really help me out a whole lot. I mean, that's not making sense to me. Here's what he's talking about. In the beginning, sin entered the world. And God judged the whole world when sin entered the world. And you say, well, I wasn't there. You know, it's not my fault. doesn't matter. Uh, God judged the whole world. He judged creation. He judged the relationships between uh, the creation. And when, he, when sin entered the world and death followed sin, and God judged the whole world. And so the whole world from the very beginning when sin entered the world has been cursed and has been judged and sin has reigned and has had its way ever since. That's the first big dot, is that when, when we sinned, sin entered the world, and it's it's been a problem ever since. He goes on, the last two words of verse 20, in hope that the creation itself will be, that's the future, liberated from its bondage to decay. Do you know why your back hurts if you're like over 40 or if you're getting up there a little bit, you know why your back hurts when you wake up in the morning and it's stiff? It's because your body is in bondage to decay. When I turned 40, my daughter was coming up to me saying, Daddy, look, and she would put it right here, you know, and I kept pushing her hand away. I'm like, you know, I I can't read, honey, I can't read it when you put it right there. Now I'm to the place, I literally this morning was trying to read something without my glasses and I could not get it far enough away. And then when I finally did get it far enough away, it was too small for me to read. And someone would say, well, that's, that's a problem I've got because of the DNA I've got. My dad had that problem. No, that's not your problem. Your problem, your dad's problem, anybody's problem is we are in bondage to decay. Newsflash, that's all of us. We're all in bondage to decay. So here's the big dot. Sin entered the world, and ever since sin entered the world, death followed and death reigned, and everything is in bondage to decay. Well, God, why did this happen to me? Because you're in bondage to decay. Well, what did I do to cause it? You were born. You mean it's not A plus B equals C? Well, you know, sometimes, but not necessarily and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. Verse 22, we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the, and now we're going to start getting into the meantime, right up to the present time. He's saying, let me just give you your history. Sin entered the world. Everything has been decaying. Everything's been upside down ever since. It's not just something in your world broke. Um, The whole world is broken. It's not just that something in your marriage is broken. The whole world is broken. It's just not that your kids are broken. The whole world, not just your career, the whole world, everything is broken. And what happened to your health or your child or your career is just a manifestation of something a whole lot bigger that's going on when sin entered the world and death reigned. And the world's been going under the burden of sin ever since. Groaning. It's why things just don't work out sometimes. It's, it's why things go wrong. It's why you wanted a bunch of kids, and, and maybe you don't have any kids. It's why you do have kids, and you wanted to get them to go in this direction, and you pointed them in that direction, and they ended up going in this direction. Sin entered the world, death reigned, there is decay, there is tension, and none of us are exempt. When, when you're born into this world, you were born broken into a broken world. Aren't you just so glad you came to church this morning to learn all this? He goes on and he says, now, that was sort of the beginning. Let's talk a little bit about the meantime. Verse 23. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit, might underline this phrase, grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons the redemption of our bodies he's saying there's something that happened to you when you become a christian the holy spirit comes inside you and some of you knew it when it happened some of you when the holy spirit came into you your life changed and you've never been the same you may have had a really bad habit and the day you became a christian and got the holy spirit in you you haven't struggled with that anymore maybe it was smoking or maybe it was drinking or maybe you had bad mouth or something like that um, and when you became a Christian, you didn't struggle with that anymore. I was talking to somebody the other day that had something really bad going on in their life. They sa- I said, How'd you stop? She said, I became a Christian. Holy Spirit came into my life. The Holy Spirit came in, stopped. I haven't struggled with it anymore. Now, that happens for some people. For other people, they, it doesn't quite happen that way. For some people, you know, they may, maybe they smoke and drink and they accept the lord and they they are able to quit drinking but they can't stop smoking they might struggle with it for the rest of their life some people when they come to christ and the holy spirit comes in there's this marked difference in how they respond and what's going on in their life and other people when it happens for them it's like it's not as marked it's not the same it's it happens differently for different people and and some people would say you know i don't think mine took i think i need to need to pray the prayer again because something's not going right for me But when you became a Christian, here's what the Bible says. It was like a down payment of something that was yet to come. Not all of what's going to happen has happened yet. And what this verse is saying is there's kind of like a down payment. There's there's more that's going to happen. It's like God make, made a first installment of salvation on your life when he saved your soul, but that doesn't have anything to do necessarily he did not save your body. God sent Jesus to save us, and He said, You know, I'm going to reach in and I'm going to do something about your heart, but I'm not going to do anything about your body right now. Well, God, why do I feel so bad? Why am I sick? You know, why? Why? And God says, Because you were born, and your body is still subject to decay. In the beginning, sin entered the world. In the meantime, you will continue to feel the effects of sin in this world as it relates to your body. Verse 24, for in this hope we were saved. What hope? The future, the hope of our future adoption, the adoption that is yet to take place, that there is a connection between you and God that hasn't happened yet, and apparently it's going to affect our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what he already has? If you drive a, you know, the pickup truck of your dreams, you probably don't get in it every day and think to yourself, man, I hope I get the pickup truck of my dreams someday. That's not hope because you've already got it. He's saying you know, this thing about hope, it's something out there that you don't have yet. He says, look, the reason everyone doesn't get healed, the reason that it doesn't always work out is because these are things that you're hoping for. And we live in the meantime in the world of hope. In the beginning, sin entered the world. In the meantime, we have hope. Verse 25, but if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. That means in the light of the past, in the meantime, in the world that you and I live in, our angle, our take on this whole thing is to lean forward waiting patiently for the redemption of our bodies. Our children's bodies, our parents' bodies. And we wait eagerly and we don't lose hope because we now... Uh, Understand that that, you know this this why things are happening. It's not my fault. You know, maybe I could have been a better parent, but it's not necessarily my fault. Some of the things that happened with my kids. You know, maybe I could have worked harder on my marriage, but it's not necessarily all my fault that my marriage has problems. Ultimately, sin entered the world. It set me up to struggle, to suffer, to have to look to the future when my salvation is completed. Because in the meantime, I have the Holy Spirit to live on the inside of me. It does almost nothing for my physical body or the physical environment in which I live. Verse 26, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Do you know what that means? It means that if, if it means that, first of all, it means that you have weakness. It means that when you feel weak, you should say, hey, <laughs> I'm normal. You know, I'm struggling. That means you're normal. I'm, I'm weak. That means you're normal. I, I have problems. I, I, don't, I can't figure it all out sometimes. I have feelings, you know, I feel sometimes the weight of the world on my shoulders. That means you're normal. That means you're like everybody else. God predicted it. Paul, who's never met you 2,000 years ago, said, look, you're in a decaying, dying world, and you're in a decaying, dying body. And some days are just going to be bad days. You know, some days it's just going to be bad, and there's, there's really no other explanation other than that you are in bondage to decay. But don't make the mistake of looking in the near vicinity. Don't, don't make the mistake of trying to figure it out just by looking at your own life and thinking that there's something necessarily that's, you know, what did I do wrong? What if I hadn't done this or if I hadn't done that? Paul says, okay, maybe, but, you know, what you're experiencing and what you're judging and and what you're struggling with is 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 this this world that you're living in that's judged and some days are great but overall it's a decaying world it's evidence that there is sin and and that it is real and the only way to kind of sort of um get through this is to take our eyes off our world and begin to look at the three big dots in the beginning in the meantime and in the end and then look at this this is great verse 26 in the same way the spirit helps us in our weakness we do not know what we ought to pray for have you ever been in a situation where you know things are so bad you don't even know what your prayers are supposed to sound like that it's so bad that you you can't even make sense out of it all that that you, you go to your knees and it's like man god you know Um, I don't I'm not even sure I believe in you anymore. I'm not even sure I believe that prayer is something that works I mean, it's so bad for me right now. God i'm having I'll be honest I'm having a hard time seeing you and a lot of this isn't making sense and i'm i'm tempted to disbelief And you've already asked god 20 times And if you're like me, sometimes maybe you say something like you know god I'm struggling to pray for this because really what i'm thinking is if you're the god that's in control and can change This then you're the god that could have prevented this in the first place And I don't know how to pray about it. And I don't know how to think about it. And God would say, I'm with you. You're weak. Right now you're trying to connect the itty-bitty dots. But listen to this next promise. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. God recognizes that sometimes life is so low that you cannot even utter a word that you don't know what to say, that you can't make sense out of what's happening and this doesn't line up with this and I'm so confused and I know I should pray about it, but God, I don't even know how to pray about it. Sometimes the pain is so great, all you can do is groan and moan and cry and God says, that's not bad, I understand because this is a big, dark, black world. And and you're subject to it. And every once in a while, it reaches up and it grabs you. and, And when it does, I want you to know this. You may not believe in me, but I'm praying for you. You may not believe in me, but I'm interceding for you. I may seem a thousand miles away, but I am right with you. And I understand your weakness, and I understand why, and ultimately, it's not even your fault. You were born into this world. And you're focusing on the consequences of decisions, some of which you made, some of which you didn't make. The big picture. In the beginning, sin entered the world. In the meantime, I'm praying for you. Then verse 27. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance to God's will. And now he begins to move us from in the meantime to in the end, verse 28. And we know... That in all things God works. Now, pause just for a minute. In all things God works. In death, He works. In suffering, He works. In joy, He works. In pain, He works. God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. Wait, you mean I could be somebody you love, I could be somebody who has been called for a specific purpose and my life can be hell sideways. That those two things can go together, that you can love me and I can be called according to your purpose, and yet my life can be completely upside down. Those two things can go together, and God says, oh yeah, because you who I love and I call my child, you were born into a world that in the beginning was cursed. In the meantime, you've just got to lean forward and wait patiently. In the meantime, I'm going to intercede for you. Because in the meantime, you're going to be weak. And there's no answer that's going to make that pain go away. There's, you know, there's no context that will, you know, in your world, that's going to really make it all make sense. And when you stop trying to connect the little dots and begin to connect the big dots in the beginning, in the meantime, and in the end, Verse 29, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son. That means God has something for you. That means means God's got something planned for you. That he might be the firstborn among many brothers, and those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Pop quiz, what does the word justified mean? Do you remember? Just as if I'd never sinned. That's justified, just as if I'd never sinned. To me, that's one of the most beautiful words in the whole Bible, just as if I'd never sinned. And you say, well, wait, you know, if this is all true, people who are suffering and who are weak and facing all this junk, yeah, that's, you mean there's nothing wrong with me? Well, nothing more than that your body is decaying and that it's bondage, it's in bondage to decay and that it's going to fall apart, and that you're born into sin, but, and God says, I can handle that. i got a remedy for that. You mean that the fact that life isn't good for me doesn't mean that I've done something wrong? Well, no, the fact that life isn't good for you means that you live in a world that's wrong. It's bigger than that. It, it, it's, in spite of that, God says, I love you. In spite of that, I'm working. In spite of that, You have a future. I'm going to finish what I've begun in you. And that's all the explanation you need. Jump down to verse 31. We're going to wrap this up. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? And God says there is a stake that I drove in the ground 2,000 years ago and I put my son on a cross to demonstrate for you that I do care, that I do know that you go through pain and suffering, that I do know that this world is cursed, that I do know that something needs to be done, that there is hope. When you see the cross, I hope what you see is hope. The problem is we live in the meantime, don't we? Some time ago, my daughter, Delaney, whom I think is just a beautiful little girl. She's beautiful to me. And um, she was just a little bitty thing. Wasn't very big at the time. And um, I I was away from her. She had been on a motorized scooter. And she was riding this motorized scooter. And it got away from her. And she took a tumble on concrete, on a concrete sidewalk. And she did a face plant. And it completely ripped her chin right here, just completely took it. And it wasn't a clean, like a cut, you know, like a knife cut where you can sew it up and it all is going to heal back nice and pretty. It ripped her skin apart. And, you know, I got this call and um, so we, I I get to her and we're taking her to the doctor and, uh, you know, I I know that it's going to need stitches, And I know, because I've had stitches, what they do. And I know that when they get to her, that they're going to do some things that are going to hurt. I'm not telling her this. But I know that when they put her on this bed and he starts to look and starts to treat this wound in her chin, he's going to stick a needle right down in that to numb up her chin so that he can sew that up. I'm not telling her any of that. And, And I know it's coming. Now, when, when sure enough the doctor comes in and the doctor you know th- I wanted to shake the doctor honestly because he comes in and he says well you know I could sew that up or we could bring in a, a plastic surgeon he said because that you know it's not cut it's kind of torn and that's going to be kind of delicate and she's a real pretty little girl and you know we want her to heal right and so Meyer said if it was your daughter what would you do he said I'd get the other guy he she said get the other guy get the other guy So, you know how you get when, when it's crisis time and you're not real happy. And, and Mama wasn't real happy. So, like, get the other guy in here. So, the other guy comes in. Sure enough, he starts to do everything that we know is going to happen. And he puts his hand. He says, Mom, Dad, I'm going to need your help. And, and we held her head down and her chin's exposed. And he goes in to start to numb her up. Now, in those moments, do you think... I was in the other room. Do you think I said, Delaney, I'll see you later, honey. I'm going to go in here and read a magazine. And when this is all done, I'll be back in to see how you're doing. Do you think that's what I did? No. I got next to her on the bed. And I held her little head. And I started to speak into her ear. This is going to hurt just for a minute, honey. But this is a good thing. That you're, What's coming after this would really, really hurt if you didn't have this. So just, it's just going to sting for a minute if you can just hang on. And she's, oh. And, man, I just held her for all I was worth, and I was speaking and talking to her, and I loved her. Do you think at any second in this whole thing that I didn't love my daughter? Of course. Do you think at any moment I would have traded places? The thoughts that were going through my mind were, if I could take this for you, I would take this for you. And the whole time I'm talking to her, it was kind of my simple way to do what God does for us, which is to intercede for us. And I didn't know what I was saying. I was just trying to help my little girl get through a bad situation. And it hurt, and it didn't make any sense to her. All she knew was that it hurt. Now, that is not an emotionally satisfying answer. You don't walk out of here this morning and go, wow, you know, I feel better about the junk I'm going through in my world. No. There is no answer like that. But it's God's way of saying there is a purpose and there is a reason and I'm present, and I'm in control, and in the meantime, I'm with you. I'm with you, and I'm interceding for you, and I'm praying for you, and you may feel like you're alone, but you're not alone. Will God end pain and suffering? He is absolutely one day going to end pain and suffering. In the meantime, in the beginning, in the meantime, and in the end, he's going to make it better. Okay, let's pray, Father, there's so much junk, some of it we bring on ourselves by our decisions, some of it we, we have consequences from decisions that other people make. It's not even our fault. Some of it is just living in a broken place on a broken planet, a judged, cursed place. And Father. We, we, we so much when we go through things our first inclination is to look in and look at our life and try and connect those dots and so much of the time it just is not there but father help us to know that as we go through all this it's going to get better there is hope and in the meantime you are right here with us you are interceding for us you pray for us yeah. you care deeply for us you love us Lord, help us to live our lives with that kind of hope and that kind of assurance so that when people see us and they see us go through things, they might come up and say, where is that coming from? And we can say, from a God who has promised me that it's going to get better. One day. One day. Father, we love you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.